Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Friday edition is here live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We are outside in the beer garden at 6th and Peabody for a big show. J.P. Aaron Sibia will be alongside in about an hour and a half from now. Plus Keith Bullock, former Titans linebacker, swings by at 4 o'clock. Jill Savage co-host with us for Outkick the Tailgate, which will also be right here at 6th and Peabody tomorrow morning, morning at 8 a.m. Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. Jill swings by in about 45 minutes. Guys, great weather today in downtown Music City. A lot to get to. Boys, we must be living right because this is the perfect afternoon to host a show outside in the beer garden here at, uh, at 6th and Peabody. This is terrific, terrific setting. A lot of people out here are having fun. We're going to have fun today. We've got a great guest list on deck. We've got a great show tomorrow. And we are covered in swag. And when I say covered in swag, I mean we have boxes upon boxes of free stuff to give away. So if you're watching this right now, you're listening somewhere on the radio, come down to 6th and Peabody. Where is it, Paul? At 6th and at Peabody. It's <laughs> behind of the convention and center. And the Titans mural is over there if you need those sort of landmarks. Also, we're between two of the 12 um, bachelorette parties that will be in town this weekend. One of them's right there. One of them's right there. They're here. Uh, I underestimated, and uh, we're sticking with that estimate. <laughs> 12 a weekend come through Nashville each weekend, and uh, we welcome them all. Well, look, right now, though, we're only concerned about one of those 1,200 uh, bachelor parties. That is the one of Tara Lahneman from Cincinnati, Ohio, Tara. who's right here behind us welcome. right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tara, can, I, I, don't, I don't know the man you're marrying, so I don't know whether or not I should say congratulations or not. <laughs> uh, I, have, I haven't met him yet, so maybe, hopefully he's okay. It's I, the I really beginning of the know. end. So, uh, but to have a good time in Nashville. You chose the right city for the bachelorette party, that's for sure. Yeah. The it's, wedding's probably in some godforsaken yeah, who, location. Who maybe it's a destination wedding. Um, Cincinnati. Nice town. Yeah. But maybe they want to get out of Cincinnati also. We went to Cincinnati for a bachelor party. We did. And I got a ball. David Reed's bachelor uh, party. One David Reed, chairman of the board, was the bachelor so party. So the game in was uh, in a rain delay, and then we were some of the first in the stands. Who was it? David Bell? I it think was, that's right. Yeah. It the was visiting, uh, uh, the first baseman for visiting the Pirates. Pirates. And there was nobody in our section, and he was catching the ball, going to the dugout to have it in his glove. And I was screaming so aggressively, <laughs> and he, the third inning, finally, he threw me the ball. There were no children around, nobody he else he could you. give it to. He wanted to shut me up, and then he threw it to me, and I held it up to everyone, and I said, that's how you get the ball. That is how you get the ball. <laughs> then I gave it to my son. Uh, the Dodgers took the ball last yeah. night and ran with it over the Braves. 11-2 to the final. 
Uh, Chris Chris <laughs> Taylor. I uh, was I was excited at two nothing in the first inning, and, and that then that it. quickly uh, went away. Uh, there wasn't a lot of offense after that. Uh, Chris Taylor with a huge night, three home runs uh, for the Dodgers. He was went for a fourth. a fourth. Yeah, struck out on a the on attempt for the fourth. A fourth. <laughs> it was uh, it was a beatdown. And look, uh, Paul, you and I were talking about it beforehand. Um, you know, I've been very excited with the Braves so far. But I also told you, I said, it's going to surprise no one if the Dodgers come from behind down 3-1 for a second straight year and get back to what would be their fifth World Series in six years. Not going to surprise anyone, but the numbers are still in the Braves' favor that they're going home to win one of two games. Well, I told you you had 13 and a half innings before momentum swung. So now you have four and a half innings. If, if this game is not in your control in four and a half innings when it's back in Atlanta, the whole thing, you were in complete control, and the whole thing will go back to the Dodgers' favor because you'll then be on the verge of blowing it. And once you, that turns to being on the verge of blowing it, the motions of the whole thing swing, the feel of the whole thing swing, and in a matter of those 14 and a half innings, you go from in complete control to in complete dread of blowing the lead again. I still feel good about Atlanta. I don't. I do. I mean, they, 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 have took, they took care of business on the road when you look at it, going back to Atlanta with a chance to clinch, a chance to win at home and go to the World the Series. The thing I'm saying, though, I is love the you, concern. Hudson, I love if, you. If Thank you so much for that. If you're Conference. down 2 nothing and you get into the fourth, all of a sudden the mentalities both swing. The Dodgers are like, we've survived this thing, and Atlanta's like, we're blowing this thing. Who's and on the mound tomorrow? Here is where I think that I agree with Hutton on this because most of the time that would be the case because of the PTSD of the year before. But the Braves' best players have been the new additions. That weren't a part of blowing that series here. I mean, they've got Jock well, Peterson out there wearing connected. a pearl necklace with <laughs> yeah. swag. I mean, this is this seems like a different group, it a does. different vibe. I, I know where what you're saying. They're I think not going to be stressed out. I think it's independent last year. I think it's a series thing, and it's very tenuous when you have the lead and when you feel like things at that moment when things are turning. I'm telling you, in that. In that game where somebody can pull back even after they were down and it looked like it was done, at that pivot moment, what's going on four and a half innings into this game is very important. Well, what's going on with the Dodgers is what, to me, Paul, what you're saying and the way I look at it is the Dodgers are to benefit from that because they have so many guys who've already done that. This is the seventh straight elimination game they've won, I think is the number. When, when you, if you go back to the Cardinals elimination game in the wild card they faced two the against the giants year. braves last year this one seven straight That's elimination true. games they've won they've got something going they've got some and boxy where they don't pocket. crater they don't get nervous in an elimination setting i think it's the dodgers experience that helps them but i i also look at this braves team and i don't necessarily think there's this demon that follows them around with this group. I'd agree with that. I, I would but say, 11 2 is bad. You want to be in that game last night, obviously. Yeah, I mean, 11 2 is the same as 1 nothing. Yeah, I mean, once you fall behind 5 2, what, what's the difference? So I, I don't really think that matters going into the next game in baseball in, in general, but it's the Dodgers' experience that would worry me more from the Braves' perspective that they know how to win these types of games. And I, I, I still watch this Braves team, and I think they've got something some intangible about them that's just different than the Braves teams of the past that would just get tight in these scenarios, and you could almost see the stress on their face. This doesn't, it doesn't feel like this group. They may very well lose, 
because let's face it, the Dodgers are better. They were 22 games better than them in the regular season. They've got the biggest payroll in baseball. They're the better team. And they're defending But the, the Braves have been playing better right now, and that's all that matters. It's been good. It, it should be good. And how about my Astros? Chance to put it away. Up 3-2 now. Speaking of a lot of runs, all of a sudden the Astros have them. Boston can't hit. Let's keep that going. <laughs> Houston, Atlanta is what I'm hoping for in the World Series uh, coming up. But we'll see. We'll see if Atlanta can close at home. Titans are at home at Nissan Stadium this Sunday taking on Kansas City. They're going to be without their starting left tackle, Taylor Lewan. That news coming down a few minutes ago. Concussion. Uh not recovered obviously Kendall Lamb will start at that left tackle spot he made a lot of progress between the two series that he replaced Taylor Lewan in in the opener against Arizona and then replacing Lewan uh last uh, Monday night against the Bills obviously it was a lot better we weren't talking about him we were talking about him after that Arizona game because he was terrible um so not all hope is lost but they are thin on that offensive line if he goes down um that they'd be in, in what would trouble. happen if lamb went down i or, think it's the new guy whose name i still don't even or have Quessenberry down. went down for instance yeah who uh, I, I i should know this guy's name they signed him on monday but yeah i mean he's been there for all of two straight practices where they've actually done some on-field work because they had a walk through on wednesday. wednesday yeah so they're you know he's played i think it was a seventh round pick initially of, of the giants but they're thin there at guard dylan radens the second round pick who we haven't seen play on offense would be the guy, though they're optimistic that Roger Saffold has, has crossed the line where he can finish games now. Um, Tyreek Hill didn't practice two days in a row with the quad injury. Curious to see what he's done in Kansas City today. Final injury report be out later today. We'll have it for you here on the show. Chester Rogers also yeah, out. Monty Rice also out. Chester Rogers, punt returner. They're not giving away what's going on there. But I will say uh, Marcus Johnson, who effectively yeah. kick, uh, brought out kicks Monday night, said he's never returned punts. It doesn't, he, doesn't, he pretty much said, I'm not a candidate for that job. So um, the, the Titans are, are searching for somebody for, for that. Is Darrington Evans said, back? Still sorting it out. Darrington Evans has to come off of the, uh, out of the IR window by the 27th. You have three weeks so if he's ready, he's it would make sense teamer. to bring him off, and he could, could feel could. punts. Um, Is Julio Jones playing? I know you spoke with him today. Julio Jones looks to, to be playing, and A.J. Brown talked to us today. He's feeling much better. He looks like there's life in his face. Again, swore off fast food, said, I'll eat at five-star restaurants. I'm not eating uh, fast food anymore which Marcus Johnson didn't believe. He said after the season's over, he'll go right back to his regular routine. But uh, he's really in dire circumstances for a couple days uh, leading into that game, made it through that game, leading out of that game. I don't know if it's the onion thing. I don't know if you guys have heard. There's yeah, some bad I stuff I, I, I going on I'm with I'm asking onions. this question to two non-doctors right now. But I'll, I'll have you heard of a food doctor. poisoning case where it doesn't just take everything out of your system and then you slowly build strength back, but to where days later... You can't hold food down? He's still taking IVs. He said he's eating bland bread, rice, you know, the standard bland diet. I, I have a lot of people on my site, Chad, were kind of comparing notes like the on their stomach viruses, food poisoning. You know, I got it from shrimp and was out of commission for a week, and it was the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. So other people have similar stories. So if you get salmonella, it just lives inside of you for 
that extended period of time sometimes. Yeah. And so I then think anything else you, you eat, basic, it comes Yeah, up. you basically can't eat, it sounds like. And these are people that don't have immediate access to IVs, uh, so you know, whenever you need it. Was was last Monday his Jordan game, or is this Sunday his Jordan game? Because I, the second I think half Monday, was incredible I think considering Monday, how he felt. I think Monday was his Jordan game because Monday, when we talked to him after the game, he still looked ashen. Yeah. Today he looked like him himself um, and said, guys, we're giving him grief about it. He said Chipotle had reached out. <laughs> they wanted to find out which store and make him some offers. He said he turned down any offers, but he did tell them about the, the locale and stuff. I, I didn't follow up, but I wonder if, he, if the team put out an alert for nobody else to eat at that <laughs> Chipotle in case it's the one near the team facility. What if they just gave him the franchise? <laughs> yeah. Just take the, the store you went to. That's now A.J. Brown's Chipotle. You can do with it. And what maybe you want. we'll get into this later, Hutton. There's yep. now a game that we played with Julio Jones on Friday, the day he talks, where, uh, well, well, let's go with it now. You know, in my house, when, uh, when the last piece of chocolate disappears and uh, my wife and son will come out and say, the last piece of chocolate is gone, Dad. And I'll go, huh? <laughs> and they'll say it again, and I'll just go, huh? And uh, we play it like Peter denying Christ. I'll do it three times, and then <laughs> then, then it stops. Then it just stops. I, I play dumb three times, and then it stops. It's like well, it never happened. This is what Julio Jones now does on Friday. I, I said, like, yeah, you kind of hobbled off the field there, and then it looked like you were campaigning to go back in the game. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he, he just Julio Jones, uh, like, it now has a weekly Friday quizzical response to injury questions. Like, so instead of Sammy Sosa quiz. forgetting English... When he was on the witness stand, this is Julio Jones developing a hearing problem. It's an injury memory quiz on Friday. Or just a hearing issue. Yeah, he's what? just like, like last, week, last week when we said hamstring, he was like, Did you huh? say hamstring? Hamstring? What is a hamstring? Yeah. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. So hopefully next week we'll get a trifecta. He'll go, huh? Coming up, we will preview the NFL Week 7 slate. And also, Withrow has his top college games for Week 8 across the top 25 and beyond. I took a peek at this list. Oh, it's, a tough, week. it's a tough week to come it's... up with 10 games. Chad did it. He's got 10 games you've got to watch. Not proud of it. We weekend. said that two out of the last three it. weeks. Tough week to come up with 10 games. I did it. It's, it, it's an adventure. You're going to want to stick around for that top 10 list because you never know what's going to happen. Maybe Army will make an appearance. Who knows? <laughs> That's the type of week it is in college football. We are live from 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. It's the site for Outkick the Tailgate tomorrow morning and today with Outkick 360. And today we are live outside at 6th and Peabody. It's the home for Outkick 360 every day. Our studio's indoors normally with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Today outdoors on the Beer Garden stage alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We're going to wrap up Thursday night football last night where the Browns won despite all their injuries. They beat the Broncos 17-14. We'll have that plus an NFL Week 7 preview. But uh, first, as we look around, a lot of OutKick swag being handed out, Chad. A lot of hats, shirts. Look, we you still have some left. You can't, uh, you can't put baby in a corner, okay? So <laughs> there was only a matter of time before the animals that we are could be <laughs> unleashed into the wild. And that's where we are right now because we're outside. And what happens when animals get unleashed in the wild, sometimes bachelorette parties are attracted to it. Uh, we gave a shout-out earlier to Tara from Cincinnati. We just had a full They're party bus Sarah. of a bachelorette party with wigs on. 
and they are celebrating the nuptials of Megan Shaw from Orange County. Uh, they demanded to have Outkick hats. Lauren, our producer, I mean, the Braves could have used her pitching last night against Excellent the Dodgers. Throw. I have never seen a more accurate toss. It was of more a of a fr- frisbee throw, but I mean, the thing it hooked in. Right to the bachelorette party girl. Right, who made a good catch. Right to the chest. Of now, her. It was I don't know if she, she was made of honor, but she was the spokeswoman of the group, and she wanted to be identified as the one that looks like David Bowie. <laughs> yes. That's which what is she, what they call him in, in uh, Orange County, California. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's more of a California pronunciation. Yeah, it's Bowie to her. Hey, they're Bowie having a great time. Uh, people behind us are having a great time. And again, we got a lot of swag to give away without kicks. So swing by. If you're getting off work in a little bit and you're close to downtown, come to 6th and Peabody, Old Smoky, Yeehaw. And we're going to be here tomorrow also with Outkick the Tailgate. A great guest list. Albert Hainsworth is going to be by live. Kix Brooks is going to be here live. We've got some country music flavor to it also. A lot of cool things we'll unveil throughout the show. Uh, but a good opportunity to come hang out both today and tomorrow. Tyreek Hill did practice for the Kansas City Chiefs today. Andy Reid expects him to play. That's bad news for the Titans secondary. So Taylor Lewan yes. out, Tyreek Hill in. In, playing. Worst Making case. The trip. Making worst the case trip. with the uh, injured parties. Uh, someone send him some Chipotle quickly, please. <laughs> yeah. Wherever A.J. AJ Brown got AJ the AJ can help with that. AJ AJ, can he help should with that. go there. Chad, how did you manage to come up with the top ten games you must watch in college football? I think you could come up with an easy top five this week. Coming up with a top ten is a stretch. So what He's I did was – I hit my knees and I prayed, and uh, these are the answers that came down from heaven of the top ten list. This is a bad week of college football. Of all the problems PK has with college football, this may be one week that I can't fully defend this slate of games. It is a bad week of college football. Now, I've still I managed to come up with ten games that are somewhat compelling for a lot of different reasons. So we'll go ahead and unveil those top ten. Chad's about to give you the reasons to tune in to college football tomorrow. We start, Chad, with Tennessee and Alabama. We're starting at the bottom, going ten, going up. Oh, new order. Although more, more of a reason to watch based on the news and reports from on three that Hendon Hooker is going to play in this game. Paul's wish That's is uh, granted. Uh, Hendon Hooker has practiced. It, it looks it like out. Hendon Hooker is going to go uh, for Tennessee against Alabama. So... I mean, can Tennessee score enough points to make this thing interesting? It's going to take them scoring touchdowns, obviously, against Alabama and their offense. But um, you think we'll they see. can? You think I think they, they can. can. I think if Hendon Hooker is healthy, Tyon Evans out, it looks like. That's not going to help. Um, I know D. Beckwith is getting his first looks of the year at running back. He's actually going to travel this week. Maybe he gets his first carry of the year. Uh, it's still going to be tough, though, without Tyon Evans. They need a full complement of skill in order to score the way they want to. But Hendon Hooker certainly makes it a little bit more interesting. That's why that line went from 29.5 to 25 immediately uh, when Hooker was practicing. So number 10, Tennessee at Alabama, uh, that game at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Number 9, BYU just a few weeks ago was a possible college football playoff crasher. Uh, They have just crashed since then. Yes. Uh, They are at Washington State. Washington State is without a head coach. Because Nick Rolovich refused the vaccine. And it's a state employee mandate in Washington. And the president fired him uh, for it. So they have implemented their contingency plan for this. Three other assistants, also not vaccinated, fired. So they've had a plan in place to move people into position. And they're going to host BYU. So that's, a, that's an interesting game on a number of levels uh, for my number nine game of the week. Number eight, Utah at Oregon State. 
Uh, Utah, a three-point favorite at Oregon State. Oregon State, uh, under the radar, has had a very good year. Went to USC earlier this year. Won for the first time since 1964 for the Beavers down in L.A. Uh, So that's an interesting game in the Pac-12. It's really a good week for the Pac-12, more than anything else. It's a bad week for a couple other conferences. We'll get to that. Number seven game of the week. This is one of the strangest mid to late October matchups I've ever seen that have actual implications and possible playoff implications. Wake Forest, under the fighting Dave Clausens, are undefeated right now. They're they looking go at the ACC, Army. and this is a terrible week to prepare for Army. Minus three. Wake Forest, 16th in the country, undefeated, only a three-point favorite on the road at Army, preparing for that triple option att- attack. Never easy. Uh, that game is a noon game tomorrow. Am I wrong to think it's not going to be great to watch? Like, I'm very curious about the score. i like like to see score updates of that game during the day, but I'm not necessarily – going to spend a lot of time watching it. Outside of LSU Ole Miss, I think I'm more interested in watching this game than any other this week. I just didn't put it that high on the list because there's some bigger conference matchups. I'm saying I don't think it'll be pretty. It's intriguing, but not pretty. I mean, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder. If you like old school option football, then you're going to love it. If you want to know why teams don't want to play Army, oh, I, yeah, you right. don't know why you buy out Army. Well, there's a reason teams don't want to play Army, and that's the same reason I don't want to really watch Army. <laughs> Danny White's about to look like a genius after this game when Army beats Wake Forest. So now I see why you spent the money to get out of that game. Um, yeah, if you like 245-pound offensive linemen moving around with skill and, and, and uniformity, then you're going to love Army tomorrow. Uh, number six game of the week, Wisconsin at Purdue. Wisconsin's been a big disappointment this year. Graham Mertz has not stepped in to the role people expected from him after a great freshman year at quarterback for Wisconsin. So much for cashing in on NIL. For yeah, him. and they're a three-point favorite uh, on the road to Purdue. We just saw Purdue not just beat Jill Savage's Iowa Hawkeyes, but destroyed them. It was not close. It was a blowout. Uh, Purdue's uh, got some, some really good talent on offense. Jeff Brom, I feel like every year has one of those games like we saw last week. Can they come back from that this week after a big win and beat Wisconsin at home? Those are games 10 through 6. Shall we continue? That's a lovely list so far. Yeah, the top five is where this is much watched television in the top five, Chad. USC, Notre Dame at number five. It's going to get a little bit more interesting now. You're right, Hutton. USC and Notre Dame, uh, if you go back to the uh, Bush push days, And when this rivalry, I mean, this is a big game every year. Don't get me wrong, because of the high-profile nature of both these programs. USC, though, lame duck, coaching staff, not very good this year. Notre Dame, been a bit of a disappointment, I would say, this year so far. So not as big of a spotlight. This is an NBC nationally televised night game with USC at Notre Dame most years. It's, it's huge. I love, by the way, when Notre Dame wears the green uniforms. I don't know if they're doing that tomorrow, but when they wear it just for this game, I absolutely love it. USC at Notre Dame is always must-watch because of the tradition of those Great two programs. Rivalry. Number five on the list. I really debated with number four and putting this higher on the list because the SEC is king. We all know that. The SEC has a terrible week of college football. Let's just call it exactly what it is. There are really very few Big games. A lot of teams that are off it is a, this it is, week. It is a week to position yourself for rivalry matchups in the coming couple weeks here. So last week, here's a great example from a television standpoint. Last week at 11 a.m. Central, they kicked off Auburn and Arkansas and LSU and Florida at 11 a.m. because they had so much to get to that day with good games. 
This week's lone 11 a.m. game is Arkansas hosting Arkansas Pine Bluff. That, that gives you a good illustration of how bad of a week it is in the SEC. You kill for one of those games well, from last week. A lot of teams not off this it's, week. Too. It also leads to a clear-cut best game of the week in the SEC. It's LSU at, at Ole Miss. It's the CBS game uh, this week. Ole Miss, almost a double-digit favorite in this game. Matt Corral, that's the big question mark. He got hit a lot with all those carries. Says he checked out of the game late, been battling an ankle injury this week. How healthy is he? I think if he's healthy... I don't think there's some big rallying cry behind lame duck Ed Orgeron right now. I think Ole Miss can take care of business, but it really comes down to the health of Matt Corral. Well, and they can run it. You know, they, they can run it against this LSU defense. LSU ran all over Florida, too. What can they do against Ole Miss's defense this week? I mean, it, it's got shootout written yeah. all over it. I mean, and, and, and Florida ran all over LSU. You know, they did whatever they wanted on the ground also. So uh, probably a lot of points in this game. But, you know, we thought that if we thought it was going to be an easy over cover uh, for Tennessee Ole Miss last week, and, and crazy things happened. Well, LSU surprised me last week with the way they play. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, and some of, you know, maybe the pressure's off now in a weird way. They know their fate with Orgeron, so they play a little bit more relaxed, because, and they've got players. Yeah, I mean, he knew about it whenever he lost to Kentucky, he said. So he, he knew he was out. Uh, and the fact that he's sticking around, I think, says that the and, – and, and the way they played for him last week, I think, says they show up and play well. I just don't think this is much of a game in the fourth quarter. I think Ole Miss runs away with it. Also, Glenn Gilbo's got a great story up, that outkick, his column about they're basically paying Ed Orgeron for his silence. And it looked oh, at the sure. Jeremy Pruitt situation and saying if they fired him with cause, they would have to explain what the cause was. And in doing so – open themselves up for this $20 million lawsuit yeah, they're they already facing. They stay quiet on a lot of stuff themselves. They're getting sued for $20 yes, million Implicate themselves. Because of how they handled sexual assault allegations. Yeah. So if you're firing Ed Orgeron and you're claiming uh, this lack of morality around the program and bringing you know, 20-year-old girlfriends to practice and hitting on Booster's pregnant wives and how he handled allegations, then you're going to also be paying... You're basically going to get his buyout money back and turn around and, and, turn around and pay $20 million because you're admitting yeah, wrongdoing. You forward the stuff, check to someone else. Tennessee stuff seems to be more... Uh, Tennessee's... Lot less they're not tawdry. It doesn't look like Tennessee's paying. They're, right. they're not going to settle. They're, well, they're, they're, not sca- they're not as scared of their stuff because no. it's not as it's not going to be publicly... Well, they're not being sued by anyone right now. Either. Yeah. You know, there's not an active lawsuit going on. Um, so that's... To, Biggest game of the week in the SEC, LSU at Old Miss. I just hate – it's a couple weeks in a row where the biggest game in the SEC has been double digits. Well, it's nine and a half. Uh, it's, it's close. It's, it's close to double digits, but it's not the, you know, 23-point line that you saw. Uh, by the way, we didn't even get into much of the uh, Mark Stoops calling the timeout to score, to cover. To cover. Late in the game. Um, they did that. Did, was he they asked about it? absolutely did he that. Had been well, asked the, about the only issue I have with it, we could, we could cover it quickly. The only issue I have with it is that he took his time trying to run clock the whole drive. And Georgia was okay giving up three and four yards a rush, and then they get down to the end, and suddenly they're going to call timeout and try to score a touchdown on third down. And Mark Stoops said, I I wanted to show that we could score more than one touchdown on their defense. I I guess I understand that. Anyway, it it was a weird deal. Uh, Number three game of the week, my top ten games, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Love this game. So – Gundy today signed a contract extension where it's a contract in perpetuity. 
Every year, he's got a five-year contract that renews automatically every, every year. year to year. That's so when the calendar turns, he it, got it an goes. extension without Tennessee being involved. Yeah, <laughs> is this the first one of those? They'll get another one this offseason. Right. Kudos to Danny White for not reaching <laughs> out, even though Josh Heupel's doing well in year one and getting him even more money. Uh, it's a weird contract, though. Just a five-year contract that's year to year that renews every year. Anyway, um, Gundy, by the way, Oklahoma State, one of only three programs in the country that have been to 15 straight or more bowl games. So they're very consistent, and, and he's obviously done a great job there. I'd never also, re- renew him without a haircut clause. He's cut it a little bit. It's also a little bit odd patient. that I don't care what hair you have if you win as a coach. You do whatever you want. Uh, and, and he's done that at Oklahoma State at a high clip. It's odd that it renews in October every year. Right? I mean, it's right. The, it's Is that right around the time Tennessee usually contacts him? Maybe? <laughs> yeah. You maybe, get a vote yeah, of confidence. Maybe they're getting ahead of the Tennessee coach. Well, if you're having a bad year, you get a vote of confidence right Right as you're. He's looking at his diary from the years past. Like, oh, uh, so I got a call from Dave Hart right around September 15th. John of, Curry. Of 2006, of 17. Yeah, let's do it in October. That'll be a good time. That's most when of, I can get most the of the time, these contract extensions are announced at the coaches' meetings, yeah. right? In January, February, around the and, and it, here's Gundy signing, getting the the email that said, "Hey, your, your contract's been renewed every October." Here's what I hate about get it renewed this. at Opryland annual. This is <laughs> this is what I hate about these announcements. You open yourself up to so much criticism. You know, Jeremy Pruitt got the contract extension before the first game of the year, not in the off season with months. Yep. It was the week before the Georgia State game. And they went out and looked incompetent against Georgia State and lost. And everyone, well, I'm sure I'm glad they gave Jeremy Pruitt that, that extension. But Gundy, not that you know Oklahoma State fans are going to be mad that he got signed to an extension. But if they go out and lose by 21 this week to Iowa State, there's going to be people saying, well, I'm glad they worked out that contract this week instead of in the offseason or announcing the offseason. Right. It's just, Make yourself susceptible. Right? And look, if you're Oklahoma State, you can't worry about that, about trolls that are going to come after you, either in national media or online. But still, you open the door for that when you make the announcement this week. Um, Iowa State, by the way, a seven-point favorite over the unbeaten Oklahoma State Cowboys. Number two game of the week, Oregon at UCLA. I said it was a big week in the Pac-12. This is the biggest game in the Pac-12 this week. Oregon, number 10 at UCLA, a two-point underdog. UCLA, after the fast start, beating LSU. We now know LSU's not very good. That loss, or that win does not look as good for UCLA. Struggled a bit. Big opportunity, though, and they're a, they're a two-point home favorite. It's so. the way they beat LSU, though. Yeah. That was impressive. Not the team that LSU became, right? But the fact that they manhandled them, literally, in the trenches, I've never seen that from the Pac-12 in the way UCLA did that against an SEC opponent, a, a top-tier SEC program. They did that against the Tigers. Hunt, you're going to be very disappointed to know there is no Pac-12 after dark game this week on ESPN. <laughs> this I, game is at 3.30. He's this. finally catching up on some Netflix this oh, week. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, Netflix or UFC. Hutton finally starts Squid Game <laughs> coming up Saturday night because there's no Time Pac-12. To binge. That's right. Number one game of the week. It's the one we all had circled going into this week, I'm sure. Clemson at Pittsburgh. Honestly, we did have it circled before the season because we thought Clemson was going to be ranked. Yeah. Clemson is not the, just ranked. Clemson is the biggest teams. surprise and biggest disappointment of the season. That they went from Trevor Lawrence, and when he left, their offense left. Tony Elliott probably should have considered some of those head coaching offers a little bit more because does not look as good this season uh, without Trevor Lawrence. 
Clemson, though, still has the defense to beat anyone in the standing game. They showed that against Georgia in the first week. Chad, not only Pittsburgh, are they, though, is a different type of challenge. They're unranked. They are out of the playoff picture, but they could be out of the ACC picture with a loss with Pitt. They're and, done. And here's Pitt, you know, losers to Western Michigan. That's sitting pretty. They're a three-point home favorite. Three and a half. I would have thought it would have been bigger. If Me they, too. Well, it's that defense for Clemson. And um, I think Pitt, a week ago, they had the number one offense in the country. I think they're fourth right now. Kenny Pickett is a really good quarterback. The more I watch him, the more I like uh, the, the Pitt quarterback. He's going to be a good pro, I think. I don't think he's high first-round pick you know, type guy, but he could end up being a good professional quarterback. Huge game uh, for Pitt. And if they win this one, they're the favorite to be in the ACC championship game with a chance to, I mean, could a one loss to Western Michigan pit that wins the ACC be in contention for a playoff spot? I mean, it depends on how everything else breaks out. No one's talking about it They're right gonna now. They've got to move up quite a bit. Well, win the conference. You know, that, that's the biggest. Win your division first and get in that conference championship. Pitt's got that in front of them starting tomorrow. I do love that on October 22nd, that's still viable. Most years it wouldn't be, right? Right. It's a good list, Chad. The top five for sure must watch tomorrow across the college football slate. We will get you ready for all of those games in depth with Outkick the Tailgate presented by Farm Folio tomorrow morning across the Outkick Network, 8 o'clock Central, 9 a.m. Eastern, live from right here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Thursday night football last night. Cleveland did not have Baker Mayfield. They did not have Nick Chubb. They did not have Kareem Hunt. They had Dearness Johnson, and he rushed for 146 yards and a touchdown as Cleveland beat Denver 17-14. Not a great game. Cleveland got up early, and Denver tried to battle back some, but here's Cleveland. They run the football well despite who's playing, and, and Dearness Johnson, if you picked him up in fantasy football, oh, bravo. Look, we live in Nashville, Tennessee. We're broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee. Derrick Henry is a different level. But Dearness Johnson makes the case, again, that if you build a football team that's capable of running, you can insert a lot of different people. There's an undrafted guy who played in the American Allegiance of Football or whatever the hell it was called, right? Yes. He's, a no, he's a nobody. The Alliance of American yeah. Football. He's an absolute nobody. So do you spend a top five pick on Saquon Barkley who gets the hell beaten out of him, tears an ACL and struggles when you passed on Josh Allen to draft him? There's, there's no reason to be drafting a running back high when you need to build your, your franchise around a quarterback. Derrick Henry even was a second-round pick. And Derrick Henry was no sure thing for the first two and a half years of his career. There's somewhat of luck involved in that. But still, he's in a different stratosphere, and he's an absolutely singular back. Nick Chubb is a really good back. And he and his backup were out, and Dearness Johnson ran for 144 yards. 6.6 yards per carry is what he averaged last night. What a testament to the offensive line. You know, and this, the mindset and, and all of those. It reminds me of the, the Mike Shanahan coached Broncos teams where seemingly they could put any undrafted running back back there and he would be the leading rusher for the season in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's a great testament to their offensive line. Well, and a shout-out to the Cleveland defense as well. They held Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams to 41 rushing yards uh, from, from Denver's offense. Denver's offense had just 223 total yards. They came out. Vic Fangio, Paul, has gone from a 3-0 start 
to losing four straight to get and, fired. And now they're now he's squarely on the hot, hot seat, seat before they even reach their yeah. bye. Yeah, look, Cleveland came out to march down the field, had control of that game from the very beginning, and uh, anybody that was watching it felt immediately like, uh, hey, we we all bet on Denver because we saw the injury list and we're doomed because Cleveland just seized control of the game right out of the gate, established control, and felt like the better team. It might have been a little bit close on the scoreboard for a while, but it did not feel like a game between two teams that were, were in any way even. It felt like uh, one team that knew how to control things, no matter its injuries. That's and a big a win for them. to Cleveland, yeah. who, uh, you know, I've been talking about. I like the Browns a lot, but they hadn't beat good teams. Uh, last night, they didn't beat a good team, but they won in very difficult circumstances. Absolutely. Which is equivalent in a lot of ways to beating a good team. Coming up, we will preview the NL and ALCS. J.P. Aaron Sibia will be here with us at 6th and Peabody. That's in roughly 35 minutes, but when we come back, Jill Savage from Outkick the Tailgate joins us live with E-Hop here, Old Smoky Moonshine. That is next on Outkick 360. Coming up. We preview NFL Week 7, plus J.P. Aaron Sibia will join us on site. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. We're out in the beer garden on this Friday edition to get you ready for the college football weekend. That's what Outkick the Tailgate also does. Our co-host, Jill Savage, in town because this is the site for Outkick the Tailgate. Tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. We will be ready to go. We hope you'll join us on YouTube. Facebook, Twitter, across the Outkick network at Outkick.com. Jill, what's I, I'm, up? I'm impressed you've showed up and showing your face after the Purdue debacle. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that, but I was getting a lot of flack online from the top SEC cities, and they're like, Nashville, that's such a cop-out. Like, come on. And I'm like, yeah, but it's the best. Yeah, we so did say. It's, it's number one, and we got to come back. So this weekend back. for me. It's great. Get to be back in Nashville. Love it. Uh, but, yeah, you, you want to just ju- dive into the Hawkeyes right right off the top, Paul? Well, that's what we do. Yeah, we, right, di- we dive right in. Yeah. yeah this why, is the controversial we topic. We Let's get right what happened? I mean, they're terrible on offense, guys. <laughs> like, uh, you know, because we were talking about the punter being the MVP yep. of the game of, the, of their victory against They're worse Penn than State. UMass on offense. They're ranked behind UMass they're, in offensive efficiency. So Brian Ferentz, Kirk's son, is the offensive coordinator. And in five years that he's been offensive coordinator, the Iowa Hawkeyes offense has not finished better than 82nd in the country in What's total offense. What's his first offense. name? Brian. Oh, I thought you said Graham. I was going to say, grandparents sounds like grandparents. Oh. It's always ancient offense. It's always great that, when you hire your That's what it kid. feels like. Right? That, doesn't that always it always work works out? out right? In coaching, when you hire your kid, oh. it feels like it always works but out. It was a great decision. Like Kirk has such like a stranglehold on the offense that he would never allow. We would always think like Ken O'Keefe was the offensive coordinator forever, and we're like, well, Kirk won't let him do anything. So we got his kid in there, and we're like, well, he can't, he can't tell his own kid no. Well, the difference is you're, They're still terrible. the Iowa defense didn't get turnovers against Purdue, yeah. and you didn't take out their quarterback. That's what Iowa does. That's, you take out the opponent's that's quarterback. That's our winning equation. Well, and I also, uh, you were comparing Iowa to Tennessee a second ago. I would like to point out, Jill, that what you saw in the Tennessee Ole Miss game was what faking injuries actually looks Thank like, you. unlike what your fans and your coach accused Penn State of doing. 
because there's no need to fake injuries against Iowa because they snap the ball with one on the play clock every single time. They're the that, slowest playing offense in college football. Of there's no strategy that, that you want to fake injuries speed. against Iowa. From the Iowa offense, so, what what are you talking about? I'm just about? glad you, you got to see a see game them. where the strategy from the other team defensively was we have to fake injuries to slow the team down. Uh, you know, That's what you saw in the Tennessee Ole Miss game. With the Tennessee game, I'm glad you brought that up because I take issue with you, okay. Chad. Before we started doing outkick the tailgate, mm-hmm. I didn't care about Tennessee. The Vols, they were just another team to me. And then on Saturday night, I was love. locked in. It was Lane Kiffin. It was the return. I cared. I cared so much that, like, I didn't even change the channel for 22 minutes. I was like, well, there's 54 <laughs> seconds left. Yeah. They have an opportunity to win this. This is going to be huge for Chad. I need to know. Uh, for what? What have you done? It was take it, more shots about throwing the trash. It was <laughs> mustard on the field. Yeah, mustard was, on the field. Yeah, it was. It was a bad look. I mean, the people were angry. They were upset. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a very pressure. Fifteen years of pent up Boiler, boiler. The, 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 everything was simmering to the top throughout the game, starting with that awful reversal of the fumble return for the touchdown. And right. It just did. You know, the pot boiled over. But I, I just want you to know that I, no was, excuses I was sitting there in my living room, and then I, you know, they, they eventually resumed play after your fans stopped being idiots. Had to get and the band off the field. They had to get the band off the field. And the dance team and the cheerleaders. <laughs> and old Mrs. The Dan women and the children. <laughs> and then you bring in Joe Milton because you have no chance. Uh, you know, Hendon Hooker's injured and has to limp off the field. Uh, and and I, was, I was yelling at my TV for you. Well, Joe Milton. You. He's a genius. There's, there's three seconds left on the clock. And I was like, he, he ran past the, uh, fir- the, the line of scrimmage. I was, like, I was like, run back. And it, it Turn around. You can't, you can't throw the ball anymore. This is the last play of the game. How do we know that? And UT he does education. not. It also, well, he's a Michigan grad. He's a Michigan man. He's got his degree from he's Michigan. your uniform, I Chief. doubt he's even going to class at Tennessee right now. He's there for one year. He was going there to go to the NFL after one year. He's probably not even attending class. Who wants him in the NFL? Um, no well, one right now. And here's the thing. It wasn't like it was some scramble drill where they're having to snap it with three seconds, and maybe he was confused about, I thought I had another second to step out of bounds. There was a timeout before that play where Josh Heupel tells him, all right, last play of the game, you know, if you, if you get in trouble, toss it up to our guys. Uh, Heupel even explained, he said, we, on the right side with our receivers, we had formed a scramble drill where everyone was gathering to basically form a, a mosh pit where he could just throw the ball up and there'd be multiple receivers there hoping to go up and get the jump ball. And instead, the dude runs right out of bounds. Didn't even try to run someone over when he got 10 yards down the field. You, yeah, you throw the ball down the field, or you're just you're lateraling it the rest of the way. But none, none of those two options happened. Outkick no. the tailgate tomorrow morning. You can join us in our social polls by following Outkick 360. Jill, you are tying in the mustard on the field to one of our polls for tomorrow morning. I figured we had to, right, Chad? I mean, with, with the mustard on the field, we don't, we don't get sure. this opportunity. Jump, jump into my nightmare. The water is still week? warm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Let's, let's talk we're, about we're gonna it. We're going to keep it warm yeah. for one more week at least. So our social poll uh, for you for the first one is going to be which condiment would you throw away forever if you had to? Uh, mustard, ketchup, mayo, or ranch are your options. I like how you threw ranch in there. Yeah, ranch shouldn't be. Listen, I mean, uh, Midwest. 
<laughs> branches on everything. I was like, I had, I had three of them, and I went, all right. Ranch like, makes it an easy answer for me. What's Throw the, away ranch. But, but what's the next Don't one, though? If you, the had, pole. if you had mustard, ketchup, mayo, like, what I was that last put one? Relish. Uh, I would give, I would get rid of mayo uh, second after ranch. Isn't ranch mayo-based? Ranch is a dressing. It's not a condiment. You didn't, it, you there's didn't not some mayo Iowa elements ball. in ranch, I feel no, like. No, I didn't, thankfully. <laughs> I mean, I love all those things, so I don't know what I'd throw out. No, they're you, all good. You have to pick one. It's a great poll question, Jill. Good job. How would you vote, Jack? First time you've done something <laughs> right. How would while. you vote? I don't know. I, mean, I really, I, I've food. honestly got to sit down and think about yeah. it because I love all this four of those segment. things. I'd throw out ranch as a condiment, and I'd use it as a dressing. Well, it can be at both. Uh, it's both condiment, and you can, you can drizzle some you ranch on top of a nice turkey sandwich. However you want to it play it. it works. Jill, we have a slammed guest list tomorrow morning. It includes Albert Hainsworth. Yeah. Kicks Brooks will be here. And then in between. Clark uh, Lee and Barton Clark, Simmons yeah, from a, Vanderbilt on, on game day. There's a ton of football discussion tomorrow morning. A ton of football tomorrow. Um, and with Clark Lee and Barton Simmons, I actually spoke with Rick Neuheisel on the phone this week. Clark Lee started out as a GA with Coach Neuheisel. So I'm, I'm excited to, to bring in some of the old stories for Coach Lee from, from back in the day. He did not pick up on the guitar skills of New Heisel, from what I understand. But we'll ask him tomorrow. Uh, I'll kick the tailgate uh, tomorrow at 8 o'clock Central. When we come back, we have an NFL preview for Week 7.